it feels like Kamara was the second read on that play. It was they were trying to hit Michael Thomas on a slant. Michael Thomas runs the slant, and the uh, linebacker kind of sits on it. So they've got two defenders in the area. The slant's not there. Carr just immediately goes to Kamara. The problem is Michael Thomas stops. He doesn't continue his route. Doesn't pull any defenders with him. Michael Thomas stops. And those two defenders that were on Thomas, the linebacker in the corner, John, sprint to the flat and they meet Kamara there in the backfield. He has nowhere to go. One on two. It was the, literally the two defenders that were on the first read that ran to the ball and stopped the second read. And to me, that's just like, that's just not creative enough. You know what I mean? That is not giving your team a chance. That's not good execution. That's not good play design. And, and you know, I know the fans have complained about Pete Carmichael and the play designs and the play calling and all that. I'm usually not smart enough to see it. On that fourth and four, I saw it. I was like, oh, man, that design, that had no chance. Unless Michael Thomas is wide open on that slant against a D'Amico Ryan's defense there with Houston, they run to the ball. You're not going to be able to complete that pass five yards behind the line of scrimmage and go pick up a fourth and four. It's not going to happen. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by my good friend, John Sigler. It's the Saints Wire podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. You can support us. By subscribing, leaving a review, telling a friend, spreading the word. We appreciate that. Hi there, John. How you doing this week? How you feeling about your football team? Oh, man. Um, not great. Not great. This team is so high variance. It's like they take one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. We're just trying to keep up with it. So, hey, we got a quick turnaround uh, game on Thursday night coming up quickly. And uh, let's get right to it. Yeah, let's get into it. It's just like so much for 34 nothing in Foxborough. Right, John? Yeah. Like, you know, issues of the previous weeks kind of reared their their ugly head again, right? The stuff that we've seen, the stuff that we were complaining about before that blowout win in Foxborough, where we're like, man, okay, that looked a little better. Uh, I, that's got to be the frustrating thing, right? Coming out of this loss, you, you played a team that got a rookie head coach who I think is good and a rookie quarterback who I think is good, but still rookie head coach, rookie quarterback. You know, they had so many opportunities. This one felt like it was kind of on a platter for you. You just couldn't figure it out. All these long drives that went to nowhere, right? That didn't get points at the end of the game. It, it just feels like, Sometimes with this team, John, I just feel like we're in a vortex, right? It's just the same thing keeps happening. We keep spinning around in circles and we can't get traction. Um, and I think coming, especially coming off that big win in Foxborough where it seemed like they had fixed a few things, uh, the fact that they reverted a little bit in this ballgame has got to, it's got to be driving Saints fans crazy. It's like, it's like they can't get out of their own way. They, they, they can't take advantage of these opportunities when, when they're given. And man, it's just so frustrating. Like I looked at the, 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 the second half defense, right. Against the Texans. Um, they, they gained like, aside from penalties, they only gained like 50 yards in the second half. Like it was, it was brutal. And the defense played its heart out for so many punts and the offense was just like, yeah, we're not going to do anything like that. <laughs> um, we're, we're just going to check out early today. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a wrap. And you know, it, I, I did say at one point, like, man, they're, they're playing complimentary football in the sense that all three phases are trying to lose this game uh, here in the here in the first half. To, to their credit, the defense turned it around in the second half, but it was just it was too little, too late. And this offense right now is so dysfunctional with you know miscommunications from the coaches to the players, from the quarterback to the receivers. That there's just there's nothing they do well that or well enough to where you get into a situation in a certain down and distance and you say, Hey, I'm confident they're going to pull this off. You know, I'm confident they're going to convert on third and short, or I'm confident that they're going to have a big, big gain on first and 10. Like there's, there's nothing they can hang their hats on right now. And and one of these, one of these cliches that I hate so much is that, well, the team doesn't have an identity. And, and 
because that just that that's that's just too vague to me. Um, but in this in this situation, that, that's kind of where the Saints are. Like like this offense, they, they they don't have any sort of you know anything they can hang their hats on. They they don't run well. They don't pass well. They don't you know pick up short yards. They don't create big plays. It's it's just it's so it, they run so hot and cold offensively. Um, you you just you, you can't even say okay here's something they do well hopefully they can sustain it because they can't do anything well in the first place yeah you know you see it pop up in key moments of the game i thought the fourth and four john late in the ball game 437 remaining fourth and four saints are down seven obviously they're going for it here and you got Kara the shotgun it looks like in real time it looks like the play is just a quick swing pass to camara which is developing way behind the line of scrimmage and camara gets blown up he doesn't have a chance to get there it's one on two two defenders but then I think if you slow down the play and you watch it, and I'm hardly an X's and O's guy. This is just me watching, you know, and rewinding the TV and watching the play again. But literally, I think the first read, I think Kamara is the second read on this play, John. I wanted to see what you thought about it. It feels like Kamara was the second read on that play. It was they were trying to hit Michael Thomas on a slant. Michael Thomas runs the slant and the uh, linebacker kind of sits on it. So they've got two defenders in the area. The slant's not there. Carr just immediately goes to Kamara. The problem is Michael Thomas stops. He doesn't continue his route, doesn't pull any defenders with him. Michael Thomas stops, and those two defenders that were on Thomas, the linebacker in the corner, John, sprint to the flat, and they meet Kamara there in the backfield. He has nowhere to go, one on two. It was the, literally the two defenders that were on the first read that ran to the ball and stopped the second read. And to me, that's just like, that's just not creative enough. You know what I mean? That is not giving your team a chance. That's not good execution. That's not good play design. And, and, you know, I know the fans have complained about Pete Carmichael and the play designs and the play calling and all that. I'm usually not smart enough to see it on that fourth and four. I saw it. I was like, oh man, that design that had no chance unless Michael Thomas is wide open on that slant against a D'Amico Ryan's defense there with Houston. They run to the ball. You're not gonna be able to complete that pass five yards behind the line of scrimmage and go pick up a fourth and four. It's not going to happen. They run to the ball too well. So that fourth and four, I thought kind of high is, is, is that a highlight, John, of what Saints fans are, have been kind of bitching and screaming about with Pete Carmichael and the unimaginative play calling and stuff like that? Is, is that a play that really sticks out in that regard? Well, it's certainly a low light, um, a, a low moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, you know, I, I said this at the time. I hate when offenses turn, turn a situation where it's fourth and four and they turn it into fourth and eight by, you know, yeah. yep. by throwing, throwing to the receiver behind the line of scrimmage and asking him to cover more ground, beat more defenders to, to get past the sticks, that just lowers your chances of prob- probability. I, I get that Michael Thomas was covered on the plate, but this is why he's on the team is to win in those situations. Give him a chance, you know, throw the ball, Derek, and, and trust your receiver to beat the coverage and pick up a first down. And instead he throws it to Kamara and he's got nowhere to go with it. I mean, he's got two defenders screaming down at him. Um, and eight yards to cut to pick up, and that that's just not that that's a that's a tall ask for anybody. And it's just, yeah, it's like you said, man. Like like this really defines the the, the struggles that we and the frustrations that this offense has had this year. And it gets to a point where where you just have to ask, like, okay, what well, when when do we change? Like th- this can't continue. We're not we're not having success. We're not sustaining success from one game to the next. Um, you know, that's, that's something's got to give. And you, you, it, it's just so frustrating to watch. Can you try like some type of misdirection, some type of RPO play with Camara, like something to get the defense moving one way and then get him going. The, you know what I mean? And then throw it the other. I don't know. It's just like it felt like you just 
you gave AK the ball with two defenders, no chance, like you said, John, nine yards, but he's got nine yards to go on a fourth and four when he catches it. That's just a, that's just a tough one to live by. But the Saints, they kept getting more opportunities. They went over three in the red zone um, in this game. I think that includes the missed 29 yard chippy field goal by Group E, right? Um, yeah. 0 and 3 in the red zone. They got it back down there again in the final drive. Well, not in the red zone, but they got. They got down there again. They had a chance, John. Uh, now, we saw the Giants on Sunday Night Football against the Bills. Not to say that the Giants are any great <laughs> team to model yourself after on offense. But we saw them kind of, they figured out a way to work their way down towards the goal line and give themselves a shot. I, that was frustrating on the final drive after you did, you you know, Carr hits Olave on that third and eight. Now you get the first and 10. You still got, what, 45, 40 seconds left. You still got a timeout in your pocket. You have plenty of time to get the ball down there, maybe get inside the 20 have some actual shots at the end zone. Instead, it's deep passing, complete, deep passing, complete, deep passing, complete, deep pass intercepted. That's how the game ends. It's like, can, can you come up with something a little bit better to give yourself a shot there? You know what I mean? Like, again, not like the Giants are any model of, of offense we want to follow, but the Giants just would take what the defense gave them, five yards out of bounds, five yards out of bounds, five yards out of bounds. All of a sudden, they get a penalty or something, and they're down at the one-yard line. You know what I mean? The Saints didn't try to do any of that. They just tried to chuck it deep. So with the big three between Derek Carr, Dennis Allen, and Pete Carmichael, the one the one that makes any sense to change is probably Carmichael, right? Dennis Allen's not going anywhere during the season, John. Derek Carr's definitely not going anywhere. So it's the play caller. It's Pete Carmichael. This has been an ongoing theme, though. This is We're, we're back in the vortex, right? We're back in that. We're spinning in circles here. This is what happens. Uh, the Saints lose and fans call for Pete Carmichael. They're doing it again. I understand. You see some of the stuff that's going on in these games, especially late. You have to understand it, but that's what you're kind of saying, John. Right? The one, the one uh, variable you could make make the move on, you could move, you could change, is the play caller. Yeah, you you know the Saints haven't fired a head coach in season since 1980. You know, I, I was not alive at that point. Um, my my parents were in middle school. Yeah, <laughs> um, don't don't bet on that. That's that's not going to happen. That's not how this organization runs. Um, so DA is not going anywhere, at least until January. And, you know, I've, I've got this horrible feeling that, that even then they're, they're still going to ride with him. Um, you know, Derek Carr, he's under contract to 2025. Um, essentially, you know, just given the way that deal is structured, uh, he has a no trade clause. Uh, the saints would eat an enormous amount of dead money to cut him next year. And I, I don't believe they have an appetite for that. So he's not going anywhere this season. And so that, that really leaves us, you know, with, with Pete Carmichael and, as the play caller and everything that everyone has ever reported and said about Carmichael is that he he's like, he's a talented advanced scout. Like he does a great job of scouting out future matchups, uh, coming up with game plans, uh, designing plays that, that that's when he's in his element, you know, kind of working away from the cameras behind the scenes up in the booth or somewhere in the film room. Um, but whenever he's everything that we've seen over the last 23 games is that he, he's just too erratic. And, in games and his, you know, situational decision making leaves so much to be desired, and I, it it just feels like the team like they're doing him a disservice by trotting him out there every week and saying our and you know throwing throwing him to the wolves, <laughs> essentially uh, putting him in a situation where everyone everyone you know all seventy thousand people in the building know that he is not you know suited for, and you know you've got to make a change at some point and. What, what's kind of discouraging for that argument is that the Saints don't really have a lot of people on staff uh, with experience calling plays. You know, they don't have many alternatives to turn to. 
the, the only one that really comes to mind would be Ronald Curry, their, their quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator, who has he's only called plays in a couple of preseason games the last few years. And now he's a very highly regarded member of the staff. You know, everybody talks very, very highly of him. Every, they'll tell you how bright he is and all this. Um, but there's a real reluctance, I think, to give him the play sheet and say, hey, it's your turn. You know, we're, we're not getting where we need to go. And that would be my pick personally, because he I don't know that he can be better, but I know he can't be worse. And you just look at the coaching staff up and up and down and the the other the, the, nobody really jumps out at you. Um, what one candidate that I some people have talked with me about would be Cody Burns, uh, the right, right wide receivers coach. He, he's former co-OC at Auburn under Gus Malzahn a couple of years back. Um to my understanding, he did not call plays there. So if, if he had, I would be all for that. You know, hey, that's just that's just one one other qualified candidate. Uh, but he doesn't have that experience of calling calling plays, managing a game. Um, that would be something new for him, and I would hate to put him in a position where he, he's unprepared for it, um, and that 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 could, could backfire for him. Uh, so, man, uh, it, it's kind of the same thing. That's good. It's kind of the same thing with Carr's contract. You know, the way that the, the Saints have built their team and built their organization, they, they don't have many alternatives. There, there are not many exit ramps. There are not many plan Bs here. They're, they're kind of stuck where they are. You mentioned the defense, John. They showed up again. They've been excellent. The defense has been absolutely excellent. They hold the Texans out of the end zone in the second half. Zero points in the fourth quarter. They're great. How many chances can the offense expect to get? You know, they're missing 29-yard field goals, come up with no points on these drives like how many chances can you expect to get? I think the, the Saints defense has been the big bright spot here so far as we're three and three through six games. But I wonder if we're overrating that group and the whole team. I know this is kind of a big picture topic, John, but are we overrating the Saints at all based on their schedule? Are they are they really a three and three team or are they lucky to be three and three right now? Because I know the analytics say that the Saints have one of the best defenses in football, but the reality is they face Ryan Tannehill, Bryce Young, Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, Mac Jones and CJ Stroud so far for quarterbacks. I don't think defense is the problem, but they have not faced a tough schedule and they're only three and three, John. So um, is it fair to wonder if they're even as good as three and three? Oh, man. Um, so my take my take on it is that they're lucky to be three and three right now, which which is really discouraging given, given the schedule. Um, I mean, you, you weren't exactly reading off a Pro Bowl roster <laughs> no. and listing all those quarterbacks just now. No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, their first two wins this year came by a combined four points. Um, if a couple of kicks go go differently, they're they're a one in five team. Like that, that's just the reality here. They they have one uh, one dominant win on the in six games in three three victories. Um, man, but the record kind of says who they are. Like, like this, the, this is a team that's going to struggle to reach five hundred and, and stay at it and and win as many as they lose. Um, the, the, they're just man. The, it goes. It keeps going back to the offense. Like I, I don't want to rag on the defense um, because I mean, look, they're 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 playing very well. Uh, it, you have to play the schedule that you're given, uh, and, and defensively, you know, they are meeting the expectations that were set for them before the season. So I, I've got no complaints about the defense. Um, you yeah. know, maybe maybe the pass, maybe the pass rush. Uh, we're still a little slow up front, but look, a Dennis Allen defense is always going to be slow up front because that's just how he likes it. And that's just um, nitpicking anyway, right? The defense has been excellent. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It it goes back to the offense, and they they have not faced you know, you know many of the top ranked defenses around the league, and they're the, the, look they, back, even back in preseason we we were looking at this, and and everybody was saying, oh man, this is the easiest schedule in pro football. 
Um, they, they've got no excuses to not win 10, 11, 12 games this year. And they just, and the saints have just not, you know, met those expectations. So they're, they're, they're not doing it. They're not going the distance. Um, they're, they're not competing uh, hard, you know, well enough offensively. Um, man. And, and yeah, I, I think they're, I think they're lucky to, to, to be three and three right now. Like the, they're, they, it's completely, you know, feasible, op- possible that they could be a one win team right now going into week seven. Like they, they have gotten away with some lucky breaks here to start the year. And I don't know that that's a sustainable strategy moving forward, you know, until this offense can show us that it can play at a high level uh, where, where every game is going to have this very narrow mar- margin for error. And if the defense messes up on one or two plays, that, that, might, that might be curtains. And that that is just not a sustainable way to, to, to run a football team. And that, man, and it, unfortunately, that, that's where we're headed. Yeah, it feels that way. It's definitely the offense, right? I mean, Carr can't, he, he's, he's struggling with accuracy, which is, that's frustrating, right, John? Because that was supposed to be one thing we knew we were getting. That was one thing we were banking on with Derek Carr is we're like, oh, at least he's going to throw us some accuracy out there, especially the short to intermediate stuff. And it just, the ball placement hasn't really been there. It why is it taking so long to get the ball to Chris Olave in these games? Um, actually, let's talk about that. Is it is that a car problem or is that an Olave problem? Is is because I've seen some Saints fans kind of questioning Olave's effort. Um, do you who do you blame on that regard? Is it Olave or is that Car? Because for some reason they're having a hard time getting their best receiver involved. Yeah, man. Look, but I I lean towards it being an Olave issue where. I mean, look, they're throwing it to him often. I mean, he, he's had 21 targets the last three weeks, and he has caught uh, 10 passes here. Um, he He's just, oh man, you know, I, I don't know that it's an effort issue so much as it's a, you know, maybe an emotional thing. Look, because, look, he, he didn't lose many games at Ohio State. And when the Saints moved up to draft him last year, it was with the expectation that, hey, he's going to be a Pro Bowl, All-Pro uh, type of receiver and you know bright days are ahead for the young man and all and all this and what he has experienced since coming to new orleans is you know bad quarterback play whether it's you know whether it's james winston andy dalton uh their their car who, who whoever he has not had a quarterback who can you know throw throw a catchable pass to him with consistency and he's lost a lot of games and that that's dispiriting for a young guy i mean remember he's only 23 years old and so he's having to deal with a lot of things that he hasn't really experienced before. Um, man, it's just, I, I, I kind of emphasize with him a bit um, or empathize, excuse me. And I always get those confused, <laughs> but I, I understand his frustrations, but that, that's part of being a pro. It's kind of setting those emotions aside and going out and doing your job. And whenever we see plays like against the Texans where he was thrown to in the end zone and he let up on his route early, the, uh, that costs the team a scoring opportunity and th- those things can't happen. And I, I know that he's got veterans on this team who were who kind of out for him. Michael Thomas, especially is trying to be a positive influence for him. Um, but man, if, if nothing else, it's a bad look for Olave and he, he, he's got to bounce back from it. And he, he's got to be, he's got to make more positive plays for this team than he has so far. So you're saying, John, in, in college, Olave wasn't used to uh, on second and long the play caller running the ball right up the center's ass for no gain on second <laughs> and long that he wasn't he wasn't he's not used to that in college. Or, yeah, or, or or a check down to Taysom Hill yeah, or whatever yeah. it may be. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, he he, he he may have um, 
had a bit more to work with at the college level. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hard to, hard to feel like it's, it's hard to get on them too much for being frustrated. I think everybody's frustrated with the, with how the offense is playing. Hopefully they can get it together Uh short week, Jacksonville. It's always good to have these games at home, John Thursday night football. The saints finally are, are at home. We'll get into that matchup here coming up next, but first week seven fantasy advice from the huddle.com. I'm Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number seven. Quarterback Jordan Love, Green Bay Packers at Denver Broncos. Love returns from his bye week with an offense that should be as healthy as it has been all season, and he heads to the Mile High City to face a Denver unit that has given up 12 passing touchdowns in five contests, which is tied for the most in football. Only three of 168 attempts have been intercepted, and just the Washington Commanders have given up more fantasy points, mostly due to allowing big numbers to running quarterbacks. Love is a rock-solid quarterback one play. Running back Kareem Hunt, Cleveland Browns at Indianapolis Colts. As of Wednesday, Hunt was dealing with a thigh injury, so keep track of that one. But his workload ramped up last week, and he saw 12 carries and 3 receptions, resulting in 71 total yards and a score. He still fell behind Jerome Ford in utilizations, but that kind of touch tally cannot be ignored, especially in a week when you have 6 teams on bye. Indianapolis has allowed the 10th most PPR points in the last 5 weeks, and just 4 teams have been worse at keeping running backs out of the end zone on the ground. Desperate owners can roll with Hunt as an RB2 or a flex play. Wide receiver Joshua Palmer, Los Angeles Chargers at Kansas City Chiefs. Palmer has at least 10 PPR points in three straight contests, and he draws single coverage as defenses look to contain Keenan Allen. While Austin Eckler's return last week lowers Palmer's ceilings a little bit, there's still enough to go around in this high-volume passing offense. He has scored three times in the last two games versus Kansas City, and the Chiefs have given up four wide receiver touchdowns in the last five weeks. Plus, this one could turn into a shootout. Palmer is a quality wide receiver three during Bimageddon. Tight end Luke Musgrave, Green Bay Packers at Denver Broncos. We're double dipping on the Packers passing game with this one. There have been a few flashes from the rookie in 2023, and this could be the week in which it all comes together. Denver is the worst defense at limiting tight ends in the last five weeks. Six teams are on a bye to amplify the need to take a risk, and Musgrave has tallied six catches in two of the last three contests. The Broncos have permitted the most yards on the third most catches and touchdowns at the 11th highest rate since the end of week one. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out the huddle. Okay, we're back to Jacksonville Jaguars at four and two. Uh, come to the Superdome to play the Saints, John. Thursday night football. Uh, the Saints are one and a half point home dogs in this game. And uh, let me just, uh, just lead off on some commentary and get your reaction here. I think the schedule has been very interesting for both of these teams. Now, we've mentioned that the Saints have played an easy schedule, but. They've also played a lot of road games. This will only be their third home game of the year, which is kind of crazy. That's a quirky thing. It's been a tough schedule so far in terms of travel for the Saints. Same deal with the Jaguars, though. Now, the Jags have won three straight, but they've had one of the most ridiculous schedules in football, right? They played Houston and got smacked by 20 points against the same Houston teams the Saints just lost to, right? They got smacked by 20 points against Houston. Then they had to travel to London. They traveled to London. They stayed there for two straight weeks. They were able to win both games against the Falcons and Bills out there. Then they come home to the States, John. And you would think, you know, maybe a bye week could get worked in there from the league. No, they got to play a home game against the Colts. So I was, as a, you know, somebody who's into sports betting and stuff, I was like, oh, baby, hit, hammer the Indianapolis Colts in this one. The Jags are going to be tired. Two weeks in London. Oh, it's a great spot to back the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Wrong. The Jags crushed them. I think it was 37 to 20 last week. It wasn't even a game. They crushed them. Now they have to play on Thursday night football in New Orleans. So after all that travel, no bye week, they come back. They got the two games in five days thing. I think after all of that goes through the wash, that favors the Saints a little bit. 
Uh, so I think I see this spread at one and a half. Saints are getting points at home. The Jags are probably a better football team, but I don't know. I think all that travel, it has to catch up to you at some point, John. And Trevor Lawrence is banged up in this game. They say he's questionable. I think he's going to play, obviously. But uh, at some point, all that travel, it's got to take. I mean, look, professional athletes, not exactly flying Southwest out there. I get it. it the travel's probably not as bad as I'm, I think it is in my head. But at some point, that physical toll, all that jet lag, the different time zones, all this crap, it's got to play a, it's got to factor in somehow. I think maybe it'll be this week and it favors the Saints on Thursday night. So what do you think about all that? Oh, man, I'm, I'm so down on the Saints right now, especially here against, you know, a, a look, a legit, you know, playoff contender, a, you know, a, a dark horse a Super Bowl team. Like the, the Jaguars are a very well coached team with a lot of talent, a, 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 you know, very effective young quarterback. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was practicing in the knee brace on here on Tuesday when we were recording. Um, he, he's he's expecting to play. I, I think he'll be fine. I, I don't anticipate any limitations for him Thursday night, um, which is going to be an issue for, for for the Saints because he's arguably the best quarterback they're going to face all season. And huh. man, it's just not looking like a great matchup. Um, when we're looking at it specifically this week, you know the Jags had a home game Sunday uh, that they got to sleep in their own houses uh, that that night, and they, they're having their regular, you know week of practice leading up to this game the saints had to travel back from houston uh get back to the facility settle in you know break down the tape and then get and then get get to work quickly uh very very quick turnaround they they had, they had uh almost exactly 100 hours between the final whistle on sunday and kickoff thursday night and so that, that that's a lot look that, that's going to be very challenging for, for them uh, especially with especially with so many injuries you know we had two starting offensive linemen go down uh, on Sunday with Ryan Ramchek had a concussion. James Hurst has an ankle injury. I haven't seen the injury report yet, but I don't anticipate either one of those guys being able to play. Um, I don't see how Ramchek is going to clear a concussion protocol in time uh, for, for, for a, a game in two two days from now from when we're recording. Um, it's it's going to be rough, and I, I don't like this matchup for the Saints, and I, I think this might, this might get ugly. Um, I, I've got to go with the Jags on this one. Just taking a blowtorch to my take on the Jaguar schedule and oh, how this is going to favor the Saints, John. Come on, I was trying to set you up on a tee, but you're not. You're not buying it. Okay, I like it. I like it. Not, not, not biting this time. No. You're not biting. You're not biting. Are you worried about the Saints at home at all? Because last time they were at home, they got blasted by Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers. So, uh, and uh, is does is that playing into your trepidation at all, John? Is that the the last time they were at home, they did not look all that great. Uh, you, the, the Saints have been a better road team than home team in recent years. And that, that's because of the style of football that they want to play. You know, they, they want to be able to just suffocate the, the opposing team with their defense and then have an offense that's going to run early and often and control the pace of play. And that works pretty well in a home, in, in, in a road environment, outdoors, especially. Um, they've had some success with that. Uh, look at late last year with, with their wins over the Browns and the Eagles. Um, that style of football paid off. Uh, I don't know that it works at home, you know, in, in front of 70,000 fans who want to get up and get loud and, and cheer and support you. And we're not seeing, you know, the type of plays that really energize the fan base before, you know, we're not seeing these big pass completions and these, you know, last second scores going into halftime um, it's just not there. And th- this is not the team that a lot of Saints fans grew up supporting. You know, we've got, we got to acknowledge that it's much more, you know, it, it's their parents' generation. It's, uh, man, it, it, it's, it's not 
an entertaining team to watch. They're they're bad. They're they're boring. Um, and it, it it's tough to get up and get excited for that. I, I totally get it. Um, well, things things could totally you know turn around quickly. You know, m- maybe Derek Carr has, has a good game. Maybe Chris Olave has a big game, a couple of big catches, and maybe they surprise us and surprise some people and prove me wrong. But you know that that home field advantage mystique, some of it is still there. You, you know, te- opposing teams have had a ton of false starts in the Superdome this year. Um, that the crowd the crowd is still making their presence known. But the offense is, you know, as with so many other things, they are not taking advantage of that home field advantage. One thing I want to be watching here is we mentioned the defense, uh, how they have not played uh, the murderer's row of quarterbacks. You know, again, Tannehill, Bryce Young, Jordan Love, who's struggling lately. Baker Mayfield, probably the best quarterback they faced. (laughs) Mac Jones, CJ Stroud. Uh, Now you're facing Trevor Lawrence. I mean, obviously, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence and his weapons. He's got Travis Etienne, really good running back. Uh, shifty guy fast and you got you know christian kirk calvin ridley uh, i think evan ingram's had a you know kind of a renaissance since he got their tight end position they've got hey, uh, hey, hey falcons legend uh, calvin ridley <laughs> calvin ridley oh, yeah calvin i know you, you miss him. him yeah no you can't it's a legit offense right a legit offense like you're saying and the, the saints you know they're up there top five defense and all the analytics site i mean whatever stat you want Yards per play, they're allowing 4.6. That's fourth, only behind Cleveland, Baltimore, San Francisco. Opponent points per play, fifth in football. They've just been excellent on that side of the football. Um, can you do it against Jacksonville? Can you do it against Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence and all these studs they have on offense? I think that's one thing I'll be watching, John. Can they, if they can shut down the Jaguars and they lose, if the Saints lose because of the offense, then I think, you know, maybe you feel even better about the team. But if they get, if they get roasted by this Jags team, like you're kind of fearing. I think uh, legitimate concerns about where the season's heading. You know what I mean? I want to see the defense still put up those kind of numbers against a good offense. Yeah, I think I think that's all warranted. And man, the, 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 there there is a lot riding on this game. The, the, the stakes are getting getting higher by the hour. All right, there it is. What you guys working on in Saints Wire here coming up on a Thursday night kickoff? And uh, what what happens after this, John? You get to take a a weekend off? You go apple picking or something? Like what the hell's going on now? <laughs> you got a Thursday night game here. Not down here now. Might might have picked some Satsumas, but no. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Okay. No apple picking but, in Louisiana. No, no. Yeah, man. Look, th- 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 these this next you know three four game stretch is so important for this team. And we're just looking at at the weeks ahead at our, at our coverage, we got the trade deadline coming up. I, that that's going to be really in- intriguing uh, to look at from the Saints' perspective and see what their record is going to be at that time. You, you know, is is are they going to be buyers or sellers or just stand, stand pat? Like, what, what what is the approach going to be this year? And that that's something that's really intriguing me. That kind of on the horizon here, but obviously we're, we're dialed in on this Jaguars game and uh, you know seeing if the Saints have it in them to come away with a win. All right, that's John Sigler. Saints wires got you covered right up until uh, kickoff. We appreciate you joining the show this week. Uh, for John, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Hit subscribe if you could. Tell a friend, and we will catch you next week after Saints Jags. Looking forward to that. Thank you.